0: Good morning, my friends, and thank you for joining me for Lord's Day Live. Here we are together, and I am so thankful. Appreciate you so very much. It's raining outside. I had to just go feed my chickens and, uh, before I go live and all that kind of thing. And, and yeah, I think I got my glasses all smeared up, but I think we're ready to go. Oh, i got to get my thing bajing over here. <laughs> I wouldn't even set up like I thought I was. How's that? Lighting just a little bit better, maybe? Maybe not too much. All right, here we go. Basic Bible! I keep telling myself I'm going to stand over here so you get a double whammy of me, because if you do that, then you really get sick. <laughs> That's a great way to start off a Bible study. Oh, my belly. Look at those two guys. Anyhow. Basic Bible segment number... Una, we do, is it and that means you need to get out your later and your doodladoopus. Whatever you call this thing. I'm just going to call it a marker (laughs) anyhow see what we're going to do here see how that if I had been not in your way you could have seen that thing and it would have doodled all the way across their screen but I was in your way so you didn't see it all right here we go guys I think at this present time we are now well guess what's going to happen today we're actually going to get Jacob married today so this will be the last day this is Isaac and Rebecca talking to each other okay and uh, what we're going to do next is we're going to move on to Jacob. Jacob's going to get married to Rachel. And uh, that'll be Rachel and that will be uh, Jacob. But not, not yet. Okay? Because they're not married. See what I'm saying? I guess we could, we could pretend that this is Jacob and Rachel and they're just now meeting. Because that's what's going to happen in our chapter. It's up to you. I don't particularly care. But here we go. Generally Genesis. <clears throat> Come on, here there it is. Oh, see what generally Genesis. And notice there, it's just like it's like, wow, look at them appear on the screen. Sonny's not even doing anything to make it happen. Isn't he amazing? I know you're having all of those thoughts, but let him go because I, I pre-programmed it. It's all part of the computer thingy dingy. <laughs> uh, anyhow, here's today. You might notice we got two rings happening here. Yeah. Two wedding rings are going to, because this poor guy, he's going to get duped. It's not, I I think there's a little bit of irony happening here. Remember, uh, Jacob duped his brother, and now things are turning on him, you know, and so he's going to get two brides. He didn't expect the first one. We'll see that here in just a moment. But anyhow. Jacob gets two wives. That's it's. This is the the icon, if you want to call it that, that Gabriel has come up with for Jacob. I think it's pretty good. Notice he's still he's, he's still carrying the soup around. He anyhow, and there's the nine. You see it, and then a two is the the two rings that are happening there. See the second ring? You got the shadowed him. Isn't that great, Gabriel? You're so good. He's working with a church plant in Memphis this summer, so I can't really go in and give him high fives at the present time. But just in case he's watching from Memphis, let me just say, Gabriel, I am proud of you. That's a good picture. <laughs> so anyhow, there you go. Now, can we draw that? Probably not. <laughs> but let's just go ahead, get you two rings here, and make the other ring kind of inside this one. See how? That wasn't hard. See what I'm saying? Now, we probably ought to give them both a diamond like this. Okay? Okay. Oops, that, that, you're supposed to go the other way. Go out. There. That looks kind of like a diamond, doesn't it? Yeah. There you go. So this is the two, okay? That's the two. It's kind of a shadowy thing, I guess. That's what's happening there. We're actually doing a lot better than I thought this time. Now, here here we go. We'll get the real detailed Jacob <laughs> stick figure because I can't do details. But anyhow, we can give him a, a silly little hat if you want to. Let's go, like, how did Gabriel do that? Just kind of, <laughs> you got a big old head happening there, doesn't he? Okay, and then, um, so that's Jacob. Oh, his soup! We got to give him the soup, ultimately. yeah. And then this comes around here, and it, this is the soup. Is the the uh, the aroma, <laughs> I guess it is the aroma from the soup. So there you go. So my buddy Jacob. Let's see if I can do this upside down. Jacob gets two. <laughs> That's the sloppiest handwriting you've ever seen in your life, isn't it? But you get the picture. Get it? Picture? You get the picture? Why don't you focus on this one? It's a lot better than one I did. <laughs> but anyhow, we did it, didn't we? I know. And you're saying to yourself, "Wow, we're pretty good." And I'm saying to myself, "Yeah, we are." And I still don't know why my glasses are all gooped up. <laughs> I still, I don't know. I they just don't want to get ungoopitated. I think I got them scratched. It's time for some new glasses, Cindy, if you're listening. There you go. Uh, This is, uh, what, generally Genesis, and we are in uh, 22. No, not 22. What is it? 29. That's 29, isn't it? 29. That's very good. (laughs) All right, here we go. Let's be silly. After we review. (laughs) I got ahead of myself there. So, if I was going to prepare you for the final test, these are the two questions I would ask you about this opening segment. I would say to you, I would say, what is the theme of Genesis chapter 29? That's what I would say to you. Then I would say, can you doodle the picture? And you, of course, would say to me, Sonny, we done did that. It's one of the better pictures we've ever done. And I would agree with you. Except for the handwriting here at the bottom. Just forget that. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Sillyville, here we go. Now it is time to get silly. What do snakes like to study in school? Snakes, school... I'm telling you, if we'd had snakes in school, I wouldn't have stayed long. <laughs> I hate snakes. Oh, dear. I had to get up under our house a lot and do all kinds of plumbing work and everything. And, man, is a snake there? Is it crouching over there? You know? And, and, and Snakes here in Arkansas, they're, they can, they're not good. Some of them can be very... Some of them are good. But I don't even like those. I keep them. I don't kill them. But I don't like them. <laughs> Anyhow, if all my snakes went to school, what would they want to study? I think they would probably want to study... History. Get it? Because <laughs> that's the sound of the snake beat. History. <laughs> you could probably remember that one. That's a really simple one. I know it's not as funny as some of those that I tell, but it's already pretty good. If you're thinking about it, it's already pretty good. It's starting to salivate in your head. <laughs> salivate. Okay. <clears throat> Segment number dose. Here I pop up, there it says make a memory. This is where we apply the old gourd. You know what I'm saying? We're gonna put her in order. We're gonna try to make something stick up there in the places where sometimes it don't stick like it's supposed to stick. You know what I'm sticking? I'm saying? Okay, here we go. All right, here is your passage. I shall step upon myself this day. Actually, I'm not gonna step upon myself. I'm just gonna step over there. That's what I meant to say. And so here you got I don't know. I guess we're gonna go with Jacob and uh What's her name? Rachel? Is that her name? Yeah, there it is. Rachel. I get Rebecca and Rachel messed up. Do you ever do that? Well, get them straight because you're going to have to do it right on the test. Anyhow, so Jacob says to Rachel, listen, i just met you just moments ago, but here's what we're going to do. I need you to memorize this verse. (laughs) And here's the verse. Genesis chapter 29, verse 30. So Jacob, all you got to do is say it five times. Jacob's given well, Rachel some hints. It's not hard. Just say it five times. So she says, so Jacob, so Jacob, so Jacob, so Jacob, (laughs) so Jacob. Anyhow. Went into Rachel also, and he loved Rachel more than Leah, and served Laban for another seven years. And the reason I chose this as your memory verse is because it mentions both of the wives, uh, one of which he did not expect to get. Leah was not really in the picture. He didn't expect to, to wake up with Leah, but he did. And anyhow. So that's what happens when that happens. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But if you can't get it that way, I'm going to give you another way. What you can do is you can apply the old blank space technique. <laughs> and you see old Rachel says, I don't know if I can do it. <laughs> and my buddy Danny Danning, Danis watching all the way over there in Kenya. I love you, brother. I so appreciated your work over there in Kenya. A good guy. Love that guy. Anyhow. Uh, so, Uh, Jacob says to Rachel, and Rachel says, I don't know if I can do it. Rachel, you got this. You can do this. You put blanks there. And I know that one because I said it five times. So Jacob, so Jacob, so Jacob. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? And so you put blanks there and then you're able to say the verse and it's like sticks in your gourd and that's the whole point. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Oh dear. So if I were going to test you on the material from segment number two, I would have obviously called you to memorize the verse. That's the second question. But the first question is, how many additional years did Jacob serve Laban in order to have Rachel as his wife? Now, it can be a little bit confusing in this chapter. I'll talk about this a little bit more later. But what happens is, Jacob serves for Rachel seven years. But instead of getting Rachel for his wife, his uncle Laban tricks him and gives him the oldest daughter, Leah. And Jacob says, what in the world? And Laban says, it's okay. I'll give you Rachel too, but I want you to serve another seven years for her. So in all, he's going to serve 14 years to get Rachel, really, if you think about it, because he wasn't really wanting Leah in the first place, as we saw in our memory verse. But anyhow, in this one, it says how many additional years. He's already served seven. Now he's got to serve seven more in order to get Rachel to be his wife. Now, he's going to actually marry her after the first seven, okay? But he still has to stick around for another seven. Does that make any sense? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I love these girls. What type of music do balloons hate? I asked my wife this question last night, and she got it. And she's sharp. I get that. And so some of you probably aren't as sharp as my wife, but that's okay. But she's sharp, and she got it. She picked up on this one. I think she had two guesses first. Uh, No, made one guess, then the second guess, she got it. But she got this one. Now, I'm rambling here so that you can have time to figure it out. Did you figure it out? What type of music do balloons hate? They don't like this kind of music. What kind of music? Rock? Contemporary? Classic? Think about it. What type of music do balloons hate? Pop music. (laughs) I Get it? Because the balloon pops! She's laughing. She's laughing. He's laughing. You're laughing. We're all laughing because that was pretty good. What type of what type of music do balloons hate? Pop music, obviously. <laughs> oh dear. All right. Segment number three. As we enter into the segment of number threeness, we're going to ponder a passage. There's my little buddy sitting by the pond, fishing while thinking. Ponder. He's going to ponder the passage. And here's where we get a little more detailed, right? All right, here's our little clue up here. All right. Then Jacob said to Laban, remember Jacob, you know who Jacob is, but Laban is his uncle. Okay. In chapter 29, he shows up at the camp of Laban. Okay. He has watered the the sheep for uh, Rachel, et cetera. And a lot of really neat stuff is taking place So read the other part of the chapter. But what we are going to deal with is he's already arrived at Uncle Laban's camp. And he says, Jacob said to Laban, after serving him for seven years. uh, So it's pretty big summary in chapter twenty nine. We we arrive. He served seven years. It's you know not a lot of details. But he says after that he says, "Give me my wife that I may go into her, for my time is completed." So Jacob says, "Look, I you agreed seven years earlier that if I work for seven years that I could have Rachel as my wife. It's time. I want Rachel as my wife." So Laban gathered all the people together of the place, and he made a great feast. We're gonna have a wedding banquet. It's gonna be great. So, you know, Jacob's excited, this is cool. Rachel's no doubt excited, I suspect. You know, oh, looky here, we're gonna get married. But in the evening, he took his daughter Leah and he brought her to Jacob and he went into her. Now, I know you're saying to yourself, how in the world do you sleep with a woman all night long and not know who she is? I get that. And there's a lot of reasons that might've been the case or how that happened. I don't really understand it myself, but it did. So what happens is Laban gave his female, well, so he's going to go in, uh, pause, for forget 24 for a moment. So he's going to, he's going, Jacob, sure enough, he's going to go in and going to sleep with Leah, thinking evidently it's Rachel, but it ain't. Okay. Now, a little side note, parenthetical phrase, if you want to be real fran- fancy about it. Laban is going to give a female servant, Zilpah, to his daughter, Leah, to be her servant which would have been traditional, I I suspect, back in the day for for rich folks, that they would assign one particular servant, kind of like a handmaiden, somebody who's going to be a special attendant for my daughter. And so Zilpa is going to be the handmaiden for Leah. Now, she's going to come up later. Zilpa is interesting. In fact, the other ladies, too. She's going to come up later because there's going to be children born to her on behalf of Leah. You'll get that later, okay? Uh, Okay, so, and in the morning, behold, it was Leah. Like, I've been sleeping with the wrong woman. And Jacob said to Laban, what is this that you've done to me? Did I not serve you for Rachel? Why then have you deceived me? So obviously, Jacob, he said he's deceived. So evidently, he got fooled in this whole situation. He didn't realize what was going to happen. Laban said, it is not done, so done in our country to give the younger before the, the firstborn. Now, once you read the whole story about Laban, this guy's not very trustworthy. But I really think he was put in the path of Jacob by God so that Jacob would get a little bit of his own medicine. Because, uh, like, uh, you remember, Jacob's not very honest himself. But anyhow, Uncle Laban says, look, you know, here in our country, we've got to get, the firstborn has to be taken first. And so you should have known that, I guess, is the implication here. Jacob would have had no way of knowing that, I don't think. But anyhow, so... Laban says to him, look, I've got to marry off my my first girl first, so Leah's got to go. And then then he says, complete the week for this one, and we will give you the other also in return for serving me another seven years. And so he's actually going to marry both of those girls within a week or so of each other. Okay, So he's going to get Rachel later on this week, uh, or in a week or so. But he has to marry Leah first, and so he does. Then Laban gave him his daughter Rachel to be his wife. Laban gave his female servant Bilhah to his daughter Rachel. So just like Zilpah was the special servant to take care of Leah, Bilhah is going to be the special servant to take care of Rachel. And both those names are going to be on your test. So Jacob went into Rachel also, and he loved Rachel more than Leah And he served Laban for another seven years. So he's going to keep the deal. But this is interesting that he loves Rachel more than Leah. And in some ways you might say to yourself, well, that's not very nice. But remember, he didn't work for Leah. He worked for Rachel. He'd been in love with Rachel, evidently, for a long time now. And so he expected to have Rachel as his wife. And all of a sudden his uncle gives him another lady. And so now he's got two wives, which I know sounds a little weird to us today in our culture, and it should. Because that's not the way God originally designed it. But anyhow... What we have here is he's going to love Rachel more than Leah because he wanted Rachel in the first place. Now, probably throughout the history that we're going to see in the next several chapters, he could have done better in the way he treated Leah, okay? But you got to understand at the front end that he kind of got tricked into marrying her. And so it's no wonder he's going to love Rachel more than Leah. There you go. Any questions? Well, <laughs> look them up. <laughs> All right, guys. If I were going to test you over that, I would have these five questions that show up rather slowly upon the screen. There, there they are. Now they showed up. Okay. Who was Jacob's first wife? Remember, he wanted to marry Rachel, but that's not his first wife. All right, there you go. Oh, and look at here. Who was the servant Jacob's first? Uh, who was the servant of Jacob's first wife? Starts with a Z. All right, there you go. Got him. Take a screenshot of that so you can be preparated for our test at the end of the week. All right, moving on. Oh, I love this guy. What do you call a cow who gives bad milk? My wife accused me of using this joke already and I don't think that it did. I used a version of this joke and other lessons, but I think this one's a fresh new one. I think it is. And when I give you the answer, some of you are gonna say, I think you're right. But anyhow, what do you call a cow who gives bad milk? Any guesses? Go ahead and shout them out right now. Don't feel shy. Just go ahead and blurt them. Just bellow them out right there. You got it? What do you call a cow who gives bad milk? Well, clearly you call him a milk dud. (laughs) Or you probably more appropriately should call her a milk dud, because I'm pretty sure the he's don't give milk. (laughs) He's are called bulls. (laughs) They don't. You don't generally milk a bull. Anyhow, she's a milk dud because she gives bad milk. (laughs) Well, if you're not laughing at that, at least laugh at the guy's face because I think it's a great face. you ready to move on? Okay. Segment number quattro. Number four, apply, apply the why. So we're going to apply why. We're going to say to ourselves, what does it even matter that we studied Genesis chapter 29? And I'm fixing to tell you. Now, remember, there's a lot of applications you should make. In fact, I probably ought to ask you to uh, make some applications. But the one thing that I was drawn to in this story was that Jacob is going to love Rachel more than Leah. And uh, I've already explained to you why that would be. He never expected to have a a wife named Leah, right? He always wanted to have a wife named Rachel, at least for the last seven years. So uh, this idea, you know, can we make an application to that? What prompts us to love some people more than others Now, as I've already explained with these guys, I mean, he didn't even expect to be married to Leah, right? So that might be one of the prompts if you one day end up being married to somebody that you didn't even know you are going to get married to. That might be one of them. But generally, that's not the case in our culture. However, let me ask the next question first, and then we'll go back to the first one. If you have someone more, if you love someone more than somebody else, does that mean that you don't love the first person? No. Uh, there are levels of love, right? And it, it has to do with, generally, how well you know the person and how much time you spend with the person, etc., etc. For instance, I this summer, I, I will have been married next week, as a matter of fact, I will have been married to my wife for 40 years. And so, honestly, I love Cindy a lot more than I love other women that I, I know. We have several women who go to church with us, and I love them, but I sure don't love them like I love my wife. And so what is it that causes us or prompts us to love some people more than others? That is the question that I'm asking of you. And if I'm not mistaken, it shows up right here in our test prep. Please write me a short paragraph. Short answer is fine. What prompts us to love some people more than others? Consider that, if you will. And does that then mean it's wrong that we love somebody more than somebody else? No. It doesn't mean that at all. another moment of silly as we open the blinds and there's my hairball friend. What is a cowboy's favorite type of salad dressing? I think you should be able to get this one too. This one's not very hard. So I'm just going to give you a moment as I liquidate myself. What is a cowboy's favorite type of salad dressing? Did you get it? Here it comes. A cowboy's favorite type of salad dressing? Clearly it's ranch dressing as the cowboy hat comes popping over to my hairball, friend. He doesn't seem to like it when I put a hat on his head. I don't know. In fact, he calls me the wrong kind of nut. Well, I think you're the wrong kind of nut, and you need a hairbrush. <laughs> I'm gonna start singing a song from Veggie Tales if I don't careful there. Oh, where is my hairbrush? You're familiar with that. One. Anyhow, what is a cowboy's favorite type of salad dressing? It's ranch dressing. Ranch dressing. I know, they just keep getting better. All right, segment number five, here he comes. Watch him. right here. He needs to brush his teeth, but oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. (laughs) Time to test. Oh, I know, you live for this. This is the moment you just crave. You say to yourself, Sonny, I can't wait to get to this part. I know what you're saying. Here they are, guys. Look at that. We're in test number 26. Wow. All right, there are the questions. Take a screenshot of that, and you will have the screenshot of that. And then you'll be able to have the final test of that so that you can test yourself on that. <laughs> and did you get that? <laughs> have I said that enough? Oh, that there is that's what I'm talking about that right that. <laughs> Anyhow, there, have I... You got it? You want me... No, I'm not going to get out of... The, okay. There. That better? Okay. Thank you guys for being with me. I love you. (laughs) Matthew 16, 26. What is it? Be there. Well, that was fun. Watch it right here. It's coming. Watch it. Boom. Well, that was fun. At least for this guy. (laughs) If you found that to be worthwhile, would you please take a screenshot of this one as well? Add us to your missions giving. Pray for us regularly, especially that woman as she puts up with that man. And uh, help us to continue to provide this for young people around the world and old people too. My buddy Danis—he's not just—he's not a young person. He's probably about my age. My buddy Danis over there in Kenya is watching, and so help us continue to prepare and to make these things available for Danis and over in Kenya as he uses them. I hope with young people over there and I can use them. And uh, we got we got students in Uganda. We got students in uh, uh, India and all around the world, and I'm hoping that they're using these, so please support us. That leads us to prayer time, and what I'd like to ask of you is, uh, in the next, i got five minutes to get this in, if you've got anything that you'd like for us to be praying about, would you please go ahead and notate that on the screen, and I'll try to read it off so that it can become part of the recording, because obviously the comments do not become part of the overall recording of this thing, but... If I read them off, then you'll have them, and folks around the world, literally, including folks in Kenya. My buddy Dennis in Kenya will be able to pray for you. Here are some of the things I've got on my heart right now. I've got a dear friend who is uh, scheduled to have an epidural. Uh, a lot of pain in his back and legs and things of that nature. He lives in Kentucky. I love him very, very much. Phenomenal voice. Uh, really good guy. Uh, so, if you would, please remember uh, him in, in your prayers. His name's Charlie. Uh, my mom and dad had a really tough night, and uh, my dad's uh, had a lot of chest pains. Still hadn't heard from the doctor as far as scheduling a catheterization and uh, heart catheter. We're just not really sure what's going on there, but had a tough night. In fact, they called me earlier and said they're just not up to, to uh, doing much today. And uh, so if you would be be remembering my mom and my dad, my mom's got ongoing pain, fibromyalgia, that kind of thing. And when it gets really wet, as it has been here the last several days, storm during the night. It really gets after her, but she also has, on top of that, an eye issue, uh, probably dates back to her stroke that she had a year ago, and uh, it's really bothering her. You ever have something in your eye and it just itches and you just it it disrupts your entire life pattern. Well, that's where mom's at right now. So please, uh, if you will, remember my mother in your prayers. Um, would you also remember Gabriel? He is present tense in the midst of an internship in Memphis with a church plant there having a wonderful time. I'm so proud of this young man. but he has the opportunity to go to Greece uh, for two weeks and work among the refugees of Greece. Now let me I, I, I might ought to update this from last time. It's possible that he will instead of going to Greece he will actually be going to Poland and work among the Ukrainian refugees, which I would really like that, because Ukraine has been in the news a lot lately, etc. We're not really sure. The details have not yet been fully worked out. But he is planning to leave, I think it's July 26th, and he'll be gone for two weeks, going with a mission family. They're going to Europe. And he's going to be able to see a lot of things and be involved in a lot of things, but primarily this idea of working among the refugees. Either Ukrainian refugees who are fleeing the war and going over into Poland, or Muslim refugees who are coming into Athens, Greece. We're not sure exactly which, which but if you'd be praying for him, please. <clears throat> I have been having folks beg me, including Dennis has asked, if I could come to Kenya. And uh, another one of our School of Biblical Studies students, Peter, has asked if I could come to India. And others have asked. And I, 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 it's something that is on my radar. I'm waiting for God's leadership does he give me the money? Uh, we are working on my passport right now to update it so that we can have it, et cetera, et cetera. So I don't know what God's going to do there, <clears throat> but if you'd be praying about that, cause I'd love to put my arms around old Dennis and tell him how much I love him uh, in person. He and I talk every once in a while on zoom meetings and that kind of thing, but it'd be a whole different thing to be in the same room with my buddy. So whatever God wants, please be praying about that. If you would, uh, I dear friend who is in hospice care. Uh, they moved her to hospice care just this past week. And, uh, Please be praying for her in a lot of pain, Uh, and so they're having to keep her heavily medicated. So please pray for her. Her granddaughter got married just yesterday, so please pray for her granddaughter as well. Uh, Conversational Christianity. This is something I really want to take a moment to to talk to you about. Cindy and I have put together some information about conversations that we can have with others that we meet that surround themselves around Scripture, specifically the book of Acts. And uh, we are asking, if you're interested, to uh, let us come to your congregation, and uh, or at least message me and I'll give you more information. Uh, we have no set fees, etc. We'd like to ask if you could help us with travel expenses, that kind of thing. But it's a, it's a weekend seminar, Saturday from about 9 to 1 or 2 in the afternoon, and then Sunday morning I teach the Bible class and the sermon. That's basically all it is, but it's all about practical conversational tips that can rally around the themes in the book of acts really, really practical stuff. So if your congregation would be interested in having something, like this, it would, it would be good for all ages uh, to participate in this, helping them to understand how they can talk about the Lord and, and uh, just casual conversations. So pray about that if you would, please. And then of course, as I always end with the home church worship guides, as I told you, a good friend of mine out West named, uh, Henry uh, he and his family have begun home church scenarios and so very very proud of them. This is the home church worship guides that I try to put out every Saturday. So if you're looking for them, look for them on Saturday. I try to put them out on Facebook on Saturday or you can go to my my webpage and uh, you can you can find them there as well. Uh, many of these I, I I all of Acts is not up yet, but I all of Luke is up. I know that. But yeah, you can go there and you can get all of Luke. But here is as we're working through the book of Acts Here's Acts chapter 26. Here's your Sunday home church uh, guide that's patterned after the material that Paul gave to the home church in Corinth. And then you can take it Monday through Saturday and you can continue to capitalize on that chapter by having home devotionals. So anyway, I'll get my head out of the way and get a drink real quick before we go into our segment with sermon. You can screen that, screen that screenshot that. Are we ready? Moving on. Good morning, Lord's Day Live! Thank you for being with me for our sermon segment. I am so thankful. We're into Genesis. Well, let's just watch it. I'll put it. Here it is. You ready? Booyah! Genesis chapter 29. There there it is. Genesis chapter 29. Interesting chapter. Really interesting. In fact, I struggled a little bit with which direction I wanted to go with this chapter. Because in this chapter, we're going to discuss a guy who gets two wives. One of them unexpectedly. What are you doing that? And what kind of applications can you draw for today's world where you wake up with the wrong woman uh, kind of a thing? Probably a lot of applications, actually, we could be drawing. But I'm going to take it to a little bit more of a positive slant as we look at Genesis chapter 25 and chapter 25, chapter 29, and we try to make application to it. If you're part of the Restoration School of Biblical Studies, here are the five questions that I have put together for you. Screenshot that. If you're not, you can use them for your own personal Bible study anyhow. All right, did you get them? Very good. As we move into Genesis chapter 29, I'm going to give the theme of a crazy little thing called love. Perhaps you remember that little jingle from the past. A crazy little thing called love. Because <clears throat> there's a, and I say this reverently, there's a crazy little passage about the love between Jacob and Rachel that I just, that I've, I've always loved this. I love a passage about love. Anyhow, because it, it's just so sweet. And I want to draw several applications from it. This would make a really good sermon for Valentine's Day. But in Genesis chapter twenty-nine and verse twenty, you're go, you have these words. So Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed to him but a few days because he loved because of the love he had for her. Now the backstory from this, if you don't already know it, is that uh, Jacob has had to run away from camp because he's stolen the, the blessing from his brother Esau. And he ends up many miles from home at his Uncle Laban's camp. And he has fallen in love with Uncle Laban's daughter, Rachel, younger daughter. Uh, and uh, he fallen in love with her, and he's made an agreement with Uncle Laban that he would work for his uncle for seven years in order to marry Rachel. And that's what this particular passage is all about. However, in the process, <clears throat> just to give you some more of the <laughs> interesting highlights to this chapter, in the process... The night he goes and has the big party, he thinks he's going to go in and sleep with Rachel, he ends up waking up the next morning with Leah. Now, you may be asking yourself, how do you wake up with a different woman didn't know who you're sleeping with all night long? And I did want to share this during the Bible class time because of children, etc. I think there's a lot of possibilities here, one of which is they may have drunk entirely too much that night, and so he's in a drunken stupor as he goes off to bed. I can't prove that. I don't know that. But for whatever reason, it's pretty obvious in the text that, that Jacob's going to wake up the next morning. He's going to be sleeping with the wrong woman. And he's going to go to his uncle and he said, "What'd you do to me?" And uh, his uncle is going to say, "Well, look, it's not our custom to give the youngest daughter away first, and so you got to take the older one too." And in that process, it's going to say the last. I believe I think it's even the last verse of this chapter. It's going to say that he loves Rachel more than Leah, and you can understand why he would. All right, that's kind of the negative side of the chapter. Now let's come back to the positive. Whatever you do with what has happened here, you do have to understand that he does love Rachel to the extent that he's going to work these seven years and they're just going to seem like nothing to him because he loved her so much. If in fact you do the math, you're going to find out that in total he works 14 years for Rachel and he's going to get her after seven because what's going to happen is he's going to marry Leah, then he's going to have to have a week of celebration of that marriage and then he's going to get to marry Rachel. But he's going to, he's going to get her after about seven years of work, but then he agrees to go ahead and work another seven. So if you think about it, he must really love this girl. Okay? Because he's not just working seven years, he's ultimately going to work 14. All right, let's come back to our text then. So Jacob, he's going to serve those years, and he does so, They they just seem like a few days in, because he loved her that much. All right, a couple of sweet little applications that we can make with regards to a crazy little thing called love. This idea, number one, of love as an investment in comfort. You might not see that initially, but I want you to remember that as Jacob flees camp, he's leaving with the understanding that Mama's going to bring him home eventually. I doubt seriously as he's walking away from camp that he thinks he's going to be gone seven years. And by the way, it's a lot more than that. But uh, he, he goes and he is comforted by the love that he has for this woman, Rachel. And because of that, I think it can be implied that he was able to overcome his homesickness. His desire, because remember, he's a, he's a mama's boy. And he, he, he can overcome that, the desire to rush home where he couldn't because his older brother would kill him. What am I going to do? He has to stay away, and he falls in love with Rachel. And I think that comforts him along the process. Not unlike what happened to his own daddy, Isaac. Go back several chapters, and you find Genesis 24. Then Isaac brought her into the tent of Sarah, that's his mama, and took Rebekah, that's the mama of Jacob, And she became his wife, and he loved her. So Isaac, Jacob's dad, was comforted after his mother's death. So in the same way that Isaac was comforted when his mama Sarah passed away, Jacob is comforted by Rachel when his mama is no longer around. And the scripture doesn't seem to indicate that Jacob ever gets to see her again in this life. And so that whole idea of love being an investment in comfort, I think is rather interesting. I say investment because he seven years, but those seven years are like a few days, but there, it's an investment. He is going to put some work, some investment, some refocusing of his mind and take his mind off of missing mama to, I sure love that Rachel. I can't wait till I can marry her. Love's a crazy little thing, isn't it? Number two, A crazy little thing called love also leads you to the conclusion that love is a distraction of satisfaction. (laughs) Play on words. Distraction of satisfaction. It says that he works these seven years, which ultimately ends up being 14, but he works those seven years and they seem like a few days to him. Like it just went by real quick. Because he could keep his focus on the goal. And he he never took his mind off of where this is going to lead to. I am one day going to be with her. She's going to be my wife. And how great is that going to be? Cindy and I next week will be married 40 years. In fact, a a week from today, we'll be married 40 years. And I can remember as uh, I had not yet moved out of my mom and dad's house. And I had a calendar on the wall. And I remember that summer as I knocked off the days. I checked them off on that calendar until I get to marry Cindy. It got me through the summer. It got me through some very bad times prior to that, you know, discouragement, all of those kind of things, uh, because I knew that I was going to get to marry my wife. So love can be a distraction of satisfaction. Let me see if I can make a real personal application of that with regards to Jesus. In Ephesians chapter 5, we are told as husbands to love our wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And when you consider that phrase, the phraseology, you, you go back to the cross. You, Some of you have seen movies about that depicted the sufferings that Jesus went through and the horrific treatment that he got, etc. What helped Jesus keep the faith, if you will, through those miserable moments? What kept him strong? He gave himself up for the church. But what kept him strong during all of that? I'm going to tell you the answer. It's really cool. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. We're told to let, the Hebrew writer says, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Just like Jesus, who, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter perfecter of our faith, who, Jesus, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross. You see what I'm doing there? Love is a distraction of satisfaction. He is able to get through the cross because of the joy that is set before him, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. He knew that one day he was going to go back to the Father. He knew that one day the joy was going to be complete because he would have done the job of the Father and he would have saved his bride, the church, and that throughout eternity he could be with his bride, the church, Ephesians chapter 5. So you see a very personal application here for Jesus himself and you and I. And if you go to Ephesians chapter 5... You see a very personal application for husbands and the way that they should love their wives. Love can be a distraction of satisfaction. It was in the case of Jesus. He was distracted by the joy, the satisfaction that was coming. That kept him focused, if you will. That distracted him away from the pain, the agony, the hurt of the cross. And so he was able to endure it. Pretty neat application, isn't it? Number three. It's not just that love is an investment in comfort and a distraction of satisfaction, but love is a gift of selflessness. The third thing I see from this passage is that it says, they seemed like a few days because of the love he had for her. For her. I'm going to tell you a big life application for you. If he hadn't loved her, but had loved himself, those seven years would have been miserable. Because you know what he'd have been doing for seven years? Oh, woe is me. I miss my mom. I want to go home. I hate my life. If he had been loving on himself. But he took the love and he placed it in the heart of another. And so now he's focusing on someone else. You ever feel miserable? You ever feel, woe is me, nobody cares? I'm going to tell you what you need to do. Stop sulking and go out and serve somebody else. You start loving on other people. And trust me. Your your contentment level will rise exponentially. I want to make this interesting application with regards to Cindy and I. I often find myself asking for Cindy's permission. Uh, just yesterday, I, we were working in the kitchen, which is that's her area. I've told her that, and I was doing something that she thought I could do better in another way, and whatever. A lot of times, it has to do with washing the dishes. I don't, I'm not a good dish washer. I try. I want to be nice to my wife, but sometimes she has to send it back two or three times for me to scrub it again. Anyhow, that's beside the point. I don't remember exactly what it was yesterday, but I asked her for permission. But I want you to read the whole statement. I often find myself asking for Cindy's permission, not because I need it. I don't. I'm the head of the house. According to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, uh, even Ephesians chapter 5, which we saw on the previous screen, I'm the head of the house. I don't need her permission. But I often find myself asking for permission, not because I need it, but because I need her. I would suggest to you that it is impossible for a man to truly be what God wants him to be as far as the head of a home. It's impossible for you to be that if you don't first think of your wife and her desires and her needs before you ever think of your own. So, the whole idea of Ephesians chapter 5, which we saw in the previous slide. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. If Jesus was only thinking about himself, he would have stayed in heaven. We are to love our wives in the same way that Jesus loves his bride, the church. Which means that Jesus doesn't need to ask permission for anything as far as the church is concerned, but he loves us. And yes, I think I can even say he needs us. There is a part of Jesus because of the investment that he has made. With He needs our love. He desires our love. He wants our love. And so love is a gift of selflessness. I'm bigger, stronger, and a lot of other things. It's not smarter, but let's just go bigger and smarter. Bigger and stronger. I'm bigger and stronger than Cindy. I can get my way at the house as much as I want to get my way. If I wanted to bulldoze my way through it, I could get get whatever I wanted all the time. I could do that. But it'd be a miserable life. I often find myself asking for Cindy's permission, not because I really have to have it, but because I really have to have her. I need her. That changes the entire scenario. So, love, according to this one little verse, a crazy little thing called love, according to this one little verse, we get at least three applications. Love is an investment in comfort, it's a distraction of satisfaction, and it's a gift of selflessness. And you put that together, along with other things, read First Corinthians 13 and other places that we have descriptions of love. But you put those three things together and you begin to have the makings of a really good relationship. And I'm proud to say that over the last 40 years, Cindy and I have practiced those three things. And we're as, we're as happy as two newlyweds 40 years later, because of What God says we can do and should do. And if we do it, contentment will come our way. Well, here's the uh, questions from that particular lesson. I think we covered them pretty good. Go ahead and screenshot that and you'll have them. Got them? Thank you guys for being part of my Sunday every week. I love you. This is Sonny Chow saying, be there, Matthew 16, 26. One last thing I will share with you is if you uh, have the ability, please continue to pray for Cindy and I. And if you can, uh, would you uh, make us part of your missions giving? We need it. It is the Lord's day. And being that it's the Lord's day, I pray that you'll give him what he deserves. The simple, innocent, meaningful worship that comes from your heart. I love you. Be there. Matthew 16, 26.